So for me at that point, there is no doubt that LED technology was going to be replacing everything else. It was still very early, don't get me wrong, but I could see the potential there. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today, we actually have two people on the show. These are the co-founders of Green Creative. This is Cole and this is Guillaume. And Green Creative, they specialize in providing high-quality LED lighting products. And I'll let them speak to that a little more because that's their space. So Cole and Guillaume, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Hi, Rick. Yes, thanks for having us. Uh, We're doing great. Uh, Pretty excited and actually pretty honored to be uh, on your show today because, uh, you know, we're one of the very few uh, hardware company that uh, you invited. Awesome. Great. So, yeah, why don't you guys, I mean, either one of you, uh, you guys can talk about, you know, how you guys ended up coming up with the idea, how you guys partnered up and go from there. All right. So uh, this is Guillaume. I will start a little bit, uh, give you a bit of my background because uh, that's that's how we got in there. Uh, grew up in, uh, in the south of France and uh, landed um, an exchange program in Hong Kong. I was really interested in international business. So, um, you know, that was a good opportunity. I just loved it. I uh, loved it so much that uh, it was back in 2004 and it was supposed to be for six months and um, I'm still in Asia today, so clearly uh, extended my stay. I started working there uh, after my study uh, for a big trading company, and that's when I really got uh, put my hands for the first time on an LED product. Um, at the time, it was really just like decorative bulbs, couldn't do much with it, and it was extremely expensive, but that's, that's really what got me into the technology. And after about two years in a job in Hong Kong, I was asked to go to mainland China to uh, open a division for the company in Shanghai. And that's when I got uh, the chance to really um, build a team from scratch, open an office, manage people. So it was a fantastic experience. But after about a year and a half to two years, Um, I got a great opportunity to join a lighting factory, which was one of my suppliers at the time. So I thought it would make a lot of sense for me to understand what's happening inside the manufacturing and how all of these things works instead of just seeing the finished product. During this experience, I was building LED product line for different markets. It's about two years in the job that I, I really uh, realized two big things that were kind of, um, you know, the, uh, at the origin of the company. One was the technology advancement were just staggering. Back in Hong Kong in 2004, it was just a very poor decorative, you know, colorful LED bulb that, um, you know, uh, we could put to market. But now, uh, six years later, the products were starting to be uh, able to replace and be used in general lighting application. 
So for me at that point, there was no doubt that LED technology was going to be replacing everything else. Uh, it was still very early, don't get me wrong, but I could see the potential there. And the other big thing that I realized was the big companies that we all know, the, the, that are, you know, the legacy company in lighting, they're, they were just not very equipped to end all this technology because now we're talking about uh, solid state lighting. It's, it's a tech product. And so the old kind of processes that were in place for technology that were very stable for five, six, seven years uh, were not um, adequate to deal with LED. So at the same time in this company, I kind of reached a ceiling and was looking for uh, new opportunities, maybe to start something. And that's really when um, I, uh, we got back in touch with, uh, with Cole. And uh, maybe, Cole, I'll, I uh, hand it over to you. Sounds good. And uh, echoing Giam, you know, Eric, thanks a lot for uh, having us on the podcast today. I wanted to uh, you know, go through my, my background a little first. So I'm from New, New Jersey originally. Um, I moved to Shanghai uh, by way of uh, New York City after living there for a year. Uh, and I spent some time uh, in Shanghai. I was, uh, I really wanted to learn Mandarin. That was my primary reason for going. I was also excited about, you know, the growth story of China, and I wanted to see it for myself. And through a couple of random connections, I was able to uh, find a job with a uh, Chinese factory that was producing a whole bevy of different types of uh, uh, building materials. And one of the things that we were we were doing is um, selling into uh, the China market. And myself, I was doing mostly sales and uh, project management there. And uh, as the lighting part uh, was getting more and more um, significant within the organization, uh, there was this technology, this little technology that we kept hearing over and over again, which was LED. Um, at the time, I mean, it's very similar to what Guillaume was saying. The technology wasn't there. The efficiency was low. The price was too high. And it really wasn't relevant for the market. However, you know, recognize that there was a great... Um, opportunity here. And at that time, which was about three years into uh, my stint in China, I'd wanted to move back to the U.S. Um, for various reasons and uh, saw this opportunity because, uh, as Guillaume mentioned, there was major disruption that was about to happen uh, within the technology because at that time, fluorescent, incandescent, halogen, uh, among others, they were the, the primary technologies that were seen in lighting, but uh, LED was really, really small. And uh, the customers that were buying uh, LED, excuse me, they were buying the, the traditional light sources in the US, um, they had no idea how poorly equipped the major brands like uh, uh, Philips or GE were in terms of being able to bring this new technology to market because the light bulb, as we all know, is over 100 years old. And to be honest, it really hadn't changed, it hadn't seen much innovation. Uh, for many years, or I should say decades, uh, seeing the opportunity and that the products were getting better. So I moved back to the U.S. Uh, we both downsized our lives quite dramatically. Uh, we literally bootstrapped our way uh, to building the business. So that's actually the end of the story um, for uh, the first time. Great. Well, thanks for that. So you know, I read something online about how you guys were, you guys were basically living in a car, and then somehow you guys in, in five years got to 40 million in sales. So what happened there exactly? So that's a very good question. Um, a lot of it was us trying to figure out this business, um, making a lot of mistakes, uh, pivoting to maximize the value, uh, meaning once we figured out that you know certain products were successful, making those products better. Once we figured out who the uh, best uh, customers would be, 
because in the beginning we didn't really know who to target. We kind of just targeted everybody. We would Google who buys light bulbs. And uh, uh, from there we would essentially pursue all those accounts. But once we started to narrow down the focus um, and recognize, you know, where we needed to go, um, that's when we realized that uh, we would uh, be able to, to grow this thing. And, and once we figured that out, we kind of just scaled that concept over and over again, meaning we hired more salespeople, we hired better rep agency, we improved our products. Um, we were able to get a line of credit from a bank who uh, helped to support us as we uh, brought more inventory into the U.S. to uh, help uh, grow our rising sales. So those are the types of things that really enabled us to to grow from you know a small company which was 300,000 in sales the first year to uh, 40 million in sales um, in 2015. So is your main thing? I mean, when when I look at sales over here, is your main driver? Are you guys using uh, mainly you know kind of outbound sales sales reps to take care of? Uh, is that the bulk of your revenue? Or are you guys doing anything else when it comes to uh, customer acquisition? So we have a pretty asset light approach. The way we go to market is through um, sales reps. So those are commission based reps. And they have that. We have them all across the country. Uh, we've got 50, 52 of them at this point, and so they get a commission on everything that they sell locally. And by using them, we've been able to scale very quickly um, because, you know, we're not bogged down by a very high fixed cost on salary. At the same time, we also have, you know, great sales force out in the field managing the rep network um, and the uh, distribution network as well. So we're not actually dealing with end users. We've closed a lot of accounts such as, you know, let's say Jose Banks, J. Jill, J. Crew, uh, Macy's. And this is the products that are being illuminated within the stores. So it's the merchandise that's getting um, illuminated. But we're not actually signing contracts directly with them. We're going through the wholesale distributors. Um, and that's been our business model and replicated that success that we had on a small basis to uh, becoming you know, national and rolling that out all around the country. The reps that you're paying on commission basis, I think a lot of people in this um, that are listening right now would be interested in kind of how you're structuring that. So you know, how do you find these people? And then, you know, how do you how do you base your kind of commission structure? The way that we uh, find them, it's actually quite easy because um, within the lighting industry, the reps hold a lot of power. Um, and so it's easy to, to you know Google them or look at competitor websites to see who's representing them in the local territories. From there, we contact them, see if they're interested in working with us and representing our brand in the local territory, for example. Uh, in Northern California, we work with a rep agent called ALR. They also represent Philips, among other brands. Uh, they were willing to take us on and uh, invest in our business in the sense that they took us out to the local market. But the way that we found these reps, I mean, it wasn't rocket science. I mean, a lot of it was about knowing who you are, knowing how you can help them um, uh, to make more money together and being able to pitch that correctly. Because if you're not um, you're pretty much just like everybody else who's calling them all day long, um, trying to get the lines represented. So it's very important for us. It was, it was at least in the beginning, uh, now as well, that we have a strong uh, marketing story as to why our company should exist in the market, but also why we can help them make money. Because, you know, in the end of the day, that's what they're motivated by. Got it. And what, what does the commission structure look like? 20, 30, 40, 50 percent? Uh, it really depends on the product. I mean, it's all over the place, but um, we're talking about a product that uh, doesn't cost that much. So you can imagine the margins are, are tighter um, because it's more commoditized. So as a result, uh, you know, we're not paying 
significant amounts. It's small, but it's more of a volume play for them as opposed to you know a high-end decorative product, which is uh, more more uh, margin focused. Got it. Okay. And so for like your biggest deal size, uh, what what's like the range on that? I know you've worked with some really big companies. I just want the audience to get a sense of you know how big these can go. Yeah, through through distribution. I mean, some of our deals have been upwards of a uh, million dollars on one job. Uh, if it's a national rollout, um, a lot of the business that we do um, is order fulfillment, small orders. I call this replenishment. So it's uh, you know we get uh, an order for 12 to 18 pieces shipping out to uh, a distributor somewhere around the country, and then um, uh, from there. Uh, you know, it's our job to fulfill those on a timely basis, but we do get a lot of these big projects that we go after as well. It's about 50-50 in terms of the big projects versus the, the everyday stock and flow that I just mentioned. Got it. Okay. And so, so your sales reps, I mean, you know, it sounds like they've got a lot of experience in, uh, in this world already. I guess I should back up a second. I mean, you know, in, in one of the things that I read, you know, you guys, basically it's a really, you know, this industry has been along for, for a long time, right? The lighting industry. So you guys had to break into an industry where there's a lot of relationships that have been, you know, that have spanned generations. And you guys are basically coming into this as, you know, nobodies initially, right? Um, and so how do you even get these meetings initially? I th- think a lot of people that listen to this are just like, you know, they want to talk to these big companies too. Um, but how did you guys do it? Yeah, so maybe I can take that. So, yeah, we, I mean, initially um, the idea was um, that, you know, we would go out there and uh, tell all this uh, this those guys that, you know, we have a better product and um, they should they should partner with us and forget about their uh, uh, relationship for the last 20, 30 years. And we completely underestimated the task. Um, and it's not until we really started having uh, a, a bit of traction and some uh, very good product that it became real. Uh, one of the things that we've always invested very heavily on was the product. And we clearly had uh, a number of superior products by, back then that was not available from any of the major guys. So people who understood lighting uh, saw that and, you know, some of them decided to give us a shot. Uh, it was really, you know, one at a time. The other thing that happened to us that we're very fortunate uh, about is we had uh, Jerry Mix, who is, uh, you know, an industry veteran. He, he had set up and built, um, you know, a, a number of very successful businesses in the lighting industry. And he invested in our company in year two. We were able to leverage some of his network. Uh, I mean, having his money was great. That saved us. But uh, the most um, value uh, coming from him was really the network and the understanding of uh, this industry. Very superior product just a lot of knocking doors and um, one uh, investor that was in the in the business in the industry uh, that's really how uh, uh, we managed to uh, you know uh, develop the business and so now that you guys are doing you know over 40 million sales you guys have these relationships already the sales team seems to be established i mean is there anything else uh, that you guys would consider you guys are doing unique in terms of you know acquiring more customers we're still investing a lot in in r&d and i think that's what we have to keep doing to uh stay very innovative to give you an idea last year and you know people are saying yeah now the industry is stabilizing and so on but just last year we got the CNET best LED design uh, of the year. We got the a lot of Illuminating Engineering Society award. Uh, this is kind of the you know the the Golden Globes of lighting. We just won the Sapphire Award. 
Uh, we're best product of the year on the Edison report. So by really focusing on bringing the best product and innovating, this is kind of our best form of advertising and uh, acquiring new customers. And as a result, uh, we are acquiring, you know, one customer a day on average. And that's a lot because we're talking about a wholesale account. So uh, it seems to be working very well. Great. And I want to go back to the, the sales reps thing because you guys have, have sales reps across the U.S. And so how do you guys manage to how do you guys manage 52 sales reps based on commission uh, only? Because it sounds like this is something that can you know fall off the rails pretty quickly. We have a, a number of uh, regional sales managers. So the organization is uh, one regional sales manager is going to have a territory of a couple of states. And he's going to work this territory and uh, partner with the, the reps, train them, but uh, also help them uh, because there is a lot of times when the rep is representing more than one brand. So they are, don't have the best knowledge of our product line. Our regional sales manager, we have an amazing team. They are pro- the best in the business, no doubt. And so they're going to go and um, along with the reps to visit customers. They're going to learn about the product. In addition to this, we have um, uh, a lot of KPIs going as far as how many accounts are uh, on the territory, how many new accounts are uh, on the territory, are being opened on the territory, as well as uh, what's the performance of those accounts. So with the local presence of the regional manager and, um, you know, a good a uh, number of KPIs uh, monitoring the performance, um, we're able to um, have a pretty uh, successful relationship with the reps. Uh, another thing is we try to put ourselves in their shoes. So, um, you know, we, we recently, uh, I mean, we're trying to help them a lot and bring them all the tools they need as far as like sales tools, sample case. So we're, we're, we're doing a lot in, in the sense and they can, I, I'm guessing they are feeling that there is a real partnership there. So they, they want to promote our products. Great. And so these, uh, these sales managers, how do they get paid? Uh, the sales manager are paid uh, is a mix of, uh, they have a pretty a base salary and then they're also going to be uh, commission based. Okay. And what does the base look like and what, what's the commission percentage typically? It's again, as Cole mentioned, I mean, the percentage is not going to be very high because we're on a very tight margin. And um, in our case, because we're a very fast growing company, they're going to be um, also receiving um, uh, a bonus based on uh, the growth performance uh, of the territory. And then as far as uh, the base is like something that they can, you know, leave comfortably off, um, um, you know, and this way they're really just focused on developing the sales without having to worry about uh, okay, so what's what's the actual numbers for these for for the base? And you can give me a range. You don't have to give me exact. I just want the audience to know. Hey, here's what it might look like potentially. So you know, range for the salary and then kind of range percentage wise for commission. Yeah, it's actually a little bit sensitive. Um, this topic. It's we're in a competitive uh, industry. So yeah, I don't want to get. Um, too much into details here. Okay, yeah, so I mean, uh, a very rough range and it's gonna vary a lot depending on, you know, the experience and the type of accounts and um, the type of territory as well. Uh, but usually we try uh, to have something around the 100K uh, range uh, for the base and the pers- and then it's gonna be a, a, a small percentage of the product, something, anything between uh, zero to 5% on the product sale. 
Got it. Okay. That's very helpful. And so tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing this business. One of them probably was, um, you know, the fact that we started completely bootstrapped and uh, we didn't raise any money. On top of this, uh, neither Cole nor myself were really focused on the numbers, uh, as crazy as it sounds, uh, entirely focused on building the best products and making it happen. He was completely focused on developing the sales. And so uh, it happens a couple of times where, you know, we were close to, you know, not being able to uh, pay our dues. So sorry to pay the, uh, you know, the the uh, all the payables. Uh, so we were really uh, in a in a tough spot a couple of times as a result of us not really watching the numbers and just, uh, you know, uh, we were just trying to go as fast as possible. Let's grow the business. Let's get more products in. Let's get more product out. So really, we had a couple of times where, you know, we had to raise money uh, when we realized, you know, 30 days later, uh, all these payables were due and we didn't have uh, the money to make it. So that was a really tough time. And so I think that um, really paying attention to the numbers and starting, you know, with a little bit more money uh, would have been uh, a great idea. Did you guys raise money or did you guys take out a loan? Like, how did you get past that point? Yeah, we did uh, two things. I mean, since the beginning of the company, actually, we we tried to get loans. But uh, as you know, it's very difficult for a, a new business to get loan, and uh, especially when one of the owners is foreign is a foreign uh, is a foreign passport holder. Uh, what we did then is uh, really literally um, knock on all the doors and uh, try to raise money with families and friends, and then. Um, one of the uh, lucky moments was, uh, as I mentioned, when uh, Jerry Mix uh, invested. So in this case, we managed to raise a bit of money to get us through those bumps. And then the fact that we started very early to talk to banks and understand their requirements uh, became very handy because in year three, uh, which is very early for business to get financing, we actually managed to get uh, some initial financing. Uh, it was a new resource bank. Uh, it's actually, uh, they have a branch in San Francisco um, and they focused on, you know, clean uh, technology or um, environment friendly kind of businesses. And they were able to give us our first line of credit. Uh, and that really uh, kind of helped us go through, uh, you know, those, those bumps. And uh, I think we started uh, being the uh, smallest customer uh, receiving a credit line and uh, we had to leave the bank because we outgrown them uh, three years later. Great, guys. So what's the best way to find you guys online? This has been awesome. So uh, you can find us on uh, on LinkedIn and um, otherwise our company website, greencreative.com. Uh, awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.